Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of Threads. So yesterday we found out that um, Clara's parents kind of had an ulterior motive to coming to China. Um, it wasn't just to kind of have a family vacation and remember Lola, but they also brought a small um, container that had some of her ashes from her cremation in it. And they had intended to scatter the ashes somewhere in China, but they now think, Clara should be the one to decide what to do with it, either keep it, scatter it somewhere. Clara totally doesn't like the idea of this, but her parents think it's going to help her process her sister's death rather than just kind of pretending that she's already around. Not that they know that she's doing that, but they know she's having trouble moving past grieving. So that's where we left off yesterday was Clara sort of declaring that the only reason why she is in China, the only thing that she needs is to save Yumi who we know has escaped from the factory. So here's chapter 15, July 6th, Hebei Province, China, Yuming. The grumbling of my stomach is loud enough to be heard over the groans of thunder. And despite the fact that we're huddled under the awning of a closed door, I'm soaked. So remember when we were reading the last chapter, it was pouring in Beijing. Hebei, Beijing is in Hebei Province and so Right now, Claire and Yuming are experiencing the same thunderstorm. They're in the same place in the world. Massive puddles have already formed in the dirt road. The moon, visible just a little while ago, is completely hidden. It's pitch black now. Well, I guess we're officially safe from Mr. Zhang, Kai says, from somewhere to my left, with a hint of anger in his voice. He can see or hear us, even if he was across the street right now. We should have gone to that bar. Maybe someone would have let us stay in their home overnight if... No way, I say. That would have been stupid. Okay, Jing pipes in. Enough debating. What are we going to do? I'm starving. Me too, Lee announces. Yeah, me too, I say. There's fumbling at the doorway behind us. Kai? I ask, quickly spinning around. It's just me. He sighs. All right, Lee. Where's that piece of metal I told you to put in your pocket? Metal? Jing asks. Here, Lee says, handing it to him. How is a piece of metal going to, I start to ask. The answer is the creak of a door. Did you just open that lock? I did. I can hear the smile in Kai's voice, and before I know it, a dim light from a single lamp pours out of the store, illuminating the silver raindrops in its path. I know, I know, Kai says, as Lee, Jing, and I step dripping through the doorway and into the small grocery. Too risky to have the light on. I agree, so let's do this quickly. I look around at the shelves. They are packed with everything one could possibly want or need. T-shirts, paper, pens and pencils, bandages for blistered feet, Coca-Cola, cookies, Guadam pee. I gawk especially at the food. Lee is already walking down the aisle, removing a variety of items and rearranging the goods around them so as not to leave holes. Jing has found a pile of rags and she's wiping the floor behind him. Here, she interrupts. Give me your shoes, Lee. He kicks them off and she places them on top of the rag to dry. Then she takes her own shoes off. Kai does the same before standing in the middle of the small store, barefoot, surveying the walls as if taking inventory. Kai, I say uncomfortably. You look as if you're plotting a murder. I wrap my arms around my soaked body, thinking both of how hungry I am and how wrong it is to steal from the store owner. Kai studies me in the dim light as the rain pounds on the tin roof overhead. Self-conscious, I hug myself tighter. 
Where do you come from anyway? He asks. He seems angry as though he doesn't want the hassle of having to explain himself to me. Where do you come from? I respond, suddenly defensive. He smiles at me a little, correcting himself. I asked you first. I nod. About three hours west of Shanghai. He lets out a whistle. Mr. Zhang got you from Shanghai? I could tell you were Southern, but I didn't think he would have gotten you from that far. Me and Lee, we come from all over. He swoops his dripping arm before me, grinning proudly as if indicating all of Hebei province. Mama's in Shao Village, Lee calls over to us, right near Beijing. We'll need these, I'm sure, Kai announces, louder than necessary, as he takes down a handful of matchbooks. Uh, matchbooks are um, like little, you keep matches in them, and then you can light them, so he's saying they'll need matches to build fires. I feel sorry for him. I imagine their mama, a woman walking alone, away from them, down a small country road. I swallow hard. The back of the woman looks just the way I've always imagined my mama. So remember, um, Yuming was raised by her grandparents and had an older brother, but we've never really heard her mention her mom before. What will we use those for, I ask, trying to change the subject. I feel so strange starving, exhausted, and wide awake all at the same time. He looks back at me. I don't know yet, good girl from west of Shanghai. There's anger in his voice again, but I know it's misdirected. He's angry about his mama. He's angry that he isn't the only one in charge. I open and close my mouth. At least I had Wai Po and Wai Gong, I think. If it weren't for them, Bolin and I might have turned out just like Kai. Bitter. I feel proud, but then the heaviness settles in my empty, grumbling belly. Wai Po and Wai Gong are gone. Now I am like Kai. Maybe not bitter, but on my own. So when she says bitter, she doesn't mean like the taste in your mouth. She means um, like angry about life. So the more we get to know about Kai and Lee, we realize they have had a really, really hard life. Like it sounds like they were abandoned by their mom and somehow were captured to go to this factory. But it sounds like even before they were in the factory, because they just got there, sounds like even before they were in the factory, they lived on the streets and kind of had to survive on their own. Like, you know, Kai's like a 12-year-old kid and he knows how to pick a lock and they obviously are really good at stealing from stores. And I don't think that means they're bad people. I think it means that they've had really hard lives where like no grown up was ever looking out for them. So when she says bitter, she means kind of angry at the world for how their lives turned out, which I don't really blame Kai for being bitter. Like that's a really awful life for a little kid. So anyway, let's keep going. Lee comes to Kai's side and tugs on his big brother's dripping shirt. He holds a box of crackers up to him. Your favorites, Kai Kai. Actually, Kai has more than I do. He has his brother. I squeeze my eyes shut, and when I open them, Kai is studying me. You weren't there long, were you? Where? I ask, attempting to read his never still mind. The factory. Almost three months, I say. Not long, but long enough. Yeah, I could tell. Kai answers offhandedly. How? My toes tingle with cold in my saturated shoes. You're sewing, he goes on. It wasn't so good. He rips open the box of crackers. So, are you hungry or not? I nod, looking around the dark grocery. Come help me then, he says. But first, take your shoes off like the rest of us. 
For Jing, I sense there is hope, but you, you'll need to be taught a thing or two, or you'll never survive on the streets. His words startle me. Survive on the streets? No, I'm going to find Bolin. I have to find him. He and I will live at home together in Yemo village. We'll return to our rice fields, to school, to... But the words march into my mind like soldiers. One and a half billion people in all of China. One and a half billion people. One and a half billion. It will be impossible to find one person among so many. Kai is waiting to give me my first lesson on how to steal, on how to survive. I swallow back my tears and clear my throat. I weigh my options. You need to eat, Wai Gong would say, nodding slightly. I measure the risks. When I get home, I could pay the store owner back somehow. And once we are fed and able to get far enough away, perhaps we can go to the police. All right, I say, teach me. I hold a lit match in front of me, looking around our cramped nest. We're sitting behind the sales counter in the dark, all wearing oversized, brightly colored t-shirts. Our wet clothes are spread out to dry. There's a heap of food in front of us. The flame bites at my fingers and I quickly blow it out. I hear the rustle of packages being opened. Otherwise, we eat in silence, shoving handfuls of cookies and crackers into our mouths and drinking from shared cans of Coca-Cola and bottled water. The sugary syrup from the Coca-Cola coats my teeth. I'm full, but Kai, Lee, and Jing are still eating, so I take another handful of crackers, not knowing when we'll have food again. I'm freezing, Lee announces when we finished. Come, Jing says to him, sounding like Wai Po used to. Come sit with me. I lie on my back and listen to her talk. I'll write you a message on your back, she says. I roll on my side and pull my knees up into the t-shirt, trying to get warm. You can write? He asks softly. A few things, she says. There was a lady at the factory a long time ago who taught me when I'd stay in the barracks at night. Her name was Ling. I picture Jing as a little girl, entering Mr. Zhang's factory and being shoved onto a bench in front of a sewing machine. I wonder what Mr. Zhang is doing right now, and I picture him storming in through the front of this door. Wai Gong once told me that every hiding place should have two exits. I can't write a thing, Lee announces proudly. Draw me a picture instead. All right, then. I listen as Jing traces a design on on Lee's back with her finger, and he tries to guess what it is. I can make out only the outline of her face and the whites of her eyes in the darkness, but I sense that she's calm content. I suppose if I had been in that factory for five years, maybe I'd feel calm now as well. What is next for us? Surely it would be too risky to seek help from a police officer this close to the factory. We need to leave here well before dawn to get as far away from Mr. Zhang as possible. Our plan, Kai announces expertly as if reading my mind, is to make money at tourist sites. Tourist sites? Jing asks quietly. A wonderful place to find everything you need, Kai goes on, and Lee stifles a laugh. Remember last time? The old man chased after us after I stole his change, he whispers. Remember when the guard... Shh, Lee, Kai warns. There are many ways to make money at tourist sites, Kai continues, sounding like a teacher. All right, then, Jing replies quickly. Where do you suggest? She seems unfazed by Lee's laughter and mysterious story about stealing change from somebody. Where else? 
Kai replies quickly, but the most popular tourist destination in all of China. Badaling, the Great Wall. And that's the end of chapter 15. Come back next week to find out what happens next. Clara and Yuming are really are just an hour away from each other. Let's see if they can find each other.